Hey, welcome into the Sneaky Truth Podcast. Mark Schlar alongside Mike Evans. And I tell you what, the post-draft, the draft is over. Uh, I don't know about you, man, but I, I even though the Broncos didn't have picks until the third round, they moved up in the second round to get a wide receiver. But um, I really found it fascinating, man. I enjoyed the heck out of it. You know, it's funny because I kind of looked at it like we're here in Broncos country and I, I was like, what's the interest, right? What What's the motivation in watching the draft? But yet mm. I plunked down on the couch. Watched it start to finish. It's amazing how they can make a draft with a bunch of guys that nobody's ever heard of. Right. Seem really interesting. And, boy, they've got it down to a science when it comes to presenting this thing on television. And the numbers don't lie. Mark, for day one, night one, round one of the NFL draft, they got 11 million people watching. Do you know how many pro sports out there would give their left nut oh. for a rating like that for their championship game. Right, Stanley Never Cup. Never mind the Stanley draft. Cup Finals don't get that kind of number. Ba- baseball World Series doesn't get that kind of number. Like, nothing. It's a bunch of guys where fifty percent of the guys won't be worth a squirt of piss, and yet eleven million people tune in yeah. on on the basis of you're selling hope. Yeah, that's all you do. You're selling hope. And that hope, man, is like, woohoo, my team. I love watching whatever fan base it is, right? They announce some innocuous player in the third round, and everybody, whoa! Like, they've never heard of the guy, but they're like, man, this is going to change. This is going to change the future of our franchise. He's a wide receiver. Yes. Yes. You know? We and, needed one of those. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I find it fascinating. It is, it is great. I, I enjoyed it. The other thing. The other thing I enjoyed is just kind of watching it unfold. Not only some of the players, but some of the players, like, I really don't know. But you understand kind of what the team is thinking when they go after that particular player. Or they move down or they move up because they're targeting a certain guy. That intrigue is fun. It's fun to watch. Did you find the Will Levis saga entertaining? Uh, something that was kind of almost awkward yeah. and made you squirm a little bit. You feel bad for him. What were the emotions you were feeling as you were watching Will Levis's uh, nightmare unfold on national TV? Well, I mean, you're still a second rounder. You're going to be a multimillionaire, right? I mean, so like my sympathy, I, I, it, it's a little bit cringeworthy. Because they you, they go to it, they and like how much is enough? But it's good drama. Yeah. And people are like, is he gonna? Is he not gonna? What's gonna happen? Like all those things are part of the drama. And and so there's there's several thoughts that that come to mind. One, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm his if I'm his people, what am I saying to him? Hey, dude, you're not the first. You won't be the last. You know, we've got video of Aaron Rodgers sitting around till 24, right before he finally gets drafted. Like, the Packers just went, this guy's still available? Come on, man. We got him rated as one of our top players. We might as well take a – they have far. We might as well take a flyer and just take him at 24, right? So he sat there and remembered, like, they, I'm going to make this – you know, San Francisco is going to regret the moment they didn't take me, whatever it was. I'm paraphrasing. So we saw that. We saw um, Lamar Jackson, you know, that, that, that whole saga, and him sitting around with his head kind of buried in his arm, waiting around for the draft, and Baltimore moves back up to 32 to get him. So, hey, man, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson is now the highest-paid quarterback in the National Football League. Like, Aaron Rodgers is a multiple-time MVP and now is going, you know, it, it going at, at 39, 40 years old to, to quarterback the Jets. So, 
like, hey, man, this is going to work out fine. So that was one thought was like if I was in his if I was, you know, in his group or if I was like advising him or an agent or a spot, whatever, like those are the kind of encouraging words that you would tell your guy like, hey, man, you're just in the you're just in the very beginning chapter of your journey. Why did you drop, though? Do you think people were scared off by, hey, man, the, the mayo and the coffee thing and eating the banana peels and stuff? You know, that may may seem like good good TV copy and it's interesting, but it gives us some pause. Yeah, I don't I don't really think it's I like I think it's something in the film. Like, I think it's something in the film that that teams saw. They all saw the same thing and they questioned. And it's either in the film, it's like there's there's a couple things to do it. Medical records, if there's something that that is a red flag in your medical records, if there's something on film that like really simple concepts you're not you're not you know you're not understanding. I joke around. I like who's the last guy to throw it from his knee through the field goal post at 50 yards? It was Kyle Bolar. How'd that work out? Not very well. Let's drop him. You know, I mean, it could be something's really stupid. And sometimes it's just attitude. Sometimes all these teams meet with you, and they're like, "Woo!" Like it, whether it's arrogance, cockiness, whether it's uh, like I, I said it when Deshaun Kaiser came out and said I had the body of Cam Newton and the brains of Tom Brady. I instantly took him off my draft board. We can't draft you. We can't. So it could be something as easy as that. My second thing that I thought about during that whole, like during that whole thing that was playing out is, is this girl going to stay with him or is she going to dump him? Like he's a second rounder now. See you later. I don't have any it's, time for it's you. It's funny you say that because a lot of times – when I watch the draft, the first round, uh-huh. and I see the girlfriend, I immediately start thinking, okay, how long before she's right. replaced? But in this case, his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the other way around. Sorry, Will. I only, I deal, with, I was, I only deal with first rounders. Yeah, I thought <laughs> that I was going to be dating a first rounder. Yes. And um, I'm going to rectify that now. <laughs> I, I no longer, uh, I'm no longer seeing, uh-huh. hey, it's not you, it's me. Right. 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 And just moving on. Hey, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, hey, <laughs> anyone, anyone. Hey, Any- so when, speaking of him, yeah, he goes four. And that was one of the reasons why Levis dropped, because the idea was that maybe the Colts would take Levis right. at, at four. Jim Ursay, always a colorful quote, came out and said, hey, even if we had the number one overall pick, we would have taken Richardson. You buy that? Yeah, I do. Do you? Yeah. I, Richardson is such an unbelievably dynamic athlete. And again, remember now, this this league is morphing from our drop-back guy, and we always say, you know, tell me the last time a non-traditional quarterback won a Super Bowl. Well, you can't because it hasn't happened yet. Yet. But it's going to happen. A, a win, I don't know, but eventually it's going to happen. And everything is morphing into that multi-threat quarterback who can run the RPO game, who can run the, you know, the, the read zone game, hand it off, read the end, you keep it around the edge. Like the quarterback designed run game and you know, most teams, and I've talked to John Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens about this exclu- a, a bunch, uh, multiple times in games that I've called. I've talked to Matt Eberflus. Um, by the way, Eberflus, how, like love that name. Do, love it. Does that name? Does Eberflus not sound like a instrument in a Dr. Seuss book? Yep. Played yep. the Eberflus. He played the Eberflus. <laughs> right. 
just playing the Eberflus. <laughs> but I've talked to Eberflus about this, and um, and you know, like everybody's consensus is, if you really look at it, they see the guys or see the hits that are coming when they're out there in the open. Therefore, they're taking less dynamic hits than they do from the pocket. And, you know, if you go back and look at Lamar Jackson's injuries, for instance, over the last couple of years, both times he got hurt while he was in the pocket. And so that's the excuse. But I would tell you this, it's the cutting, it's the planning, it's the twisting, and then it's three or four guys falling on top of you eventually that I think probably will take its toll. But the bottom line is this is kind of how they're justifying having a quarterback that runs. Now, you know, do you want to run him inside on QB power or do you want to get him outside on the read zone stuff? I think like I think you can manage that to some degree. Um, is there something as simple as we're drawn to the athleticism and we'll win with the athleticism for a while, all the while hoping that you develop that pocket sense that ability to throw and win from the so, pocket. So and then we, we, get, the best, that, and then we right. get the best of both yeah. worlds. But in the meantime, we can use your legs and your right. elusiveness to so help I, us win football. So games. I know it hasn't it hasn't worked for the Dallas Cowboys yet. Like they haven't they haven't gone beyond, you know, the playoffs. But if you look at the way they operate with Dak Prescott, that's kind of what it is. Dak is a pocket quarterback until they get into the red zone. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden there is a little opening of do we want to use him in these situations? Now that's it's complicated because of the fact that you know he dislocated his ankle a couple of years ago, had that severe break and everything else, but he came back from that and and has played really well. But there is there's always going to be this kind of juggling act of like how far can we go? How much do we want to expose our guy while he's learning to play from the pocket and learning the NFL game? So I. I but it's just going to continue to morph that way, which I'm I'm great with. And we saw we saw honestly we saw Justin Fields just grow exponentially this year from week one to you know to the end of the season, where he's still you know running the ball a ton, but he just got better and better and better from the pocket. So um, yeah, I do believe Jim Irsay when he says, "Hey man, Anthony Richardson would have been our first guy anyhow." And do we also see the Brock Purdy effect? On display so? in that we had a handful of quarterbacks got taken in rounds two through four. Uh-huh. Guys that may have in years past been fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. How much did the success of Brock Purdy as a sixth round, no, seventh round pick, mm-hmm. how much did that impact teams to say, hey, we just saw what San Francisco did with, with Brock Purdy. Let's go try to find our version of Brock Purdy. Right as proof that you can win with the Brock Purdy types. Did we see that with the the drafting, let's say, of Stetson Bennett from right. Georgia in the fourth round, where most people had him going sixth, seventh round? Sure. I think there's always I think there's always if like if you don't if you don't what th- there's two things I think you need. If you don't have a quarterback, then you better build a, a damn good roster like the San Francisco 49ers have and then see if you can develop one, even if he's late. And they tried to do it. Honestly, they tried to do it with the third overall pick and Trey Lance. And I just think they didn't get what they thought they were going to get with Trey Lance. And then Brock Purdy came in and attitude, skill set, and understanding of football and all those things. They were like, well, we can win with this kid based on the roster we've built. So I I definitely think that 
that if you have that kind of roster, then you can look at a guy like Stetson Bennett and go, this guy is a great competitor. This guy is a winner in college. This guy, you know, has a, a great football acumen in mind. Like we could win with this guy. Or the uh, the the second thing is, man, we got to have a competent backup. We got to have a guy that really understands and, and can and can grow and learn, and that we feel comfortable putting into game if we need him for a week or two. And so I think that's kind of where you see those younger or those quarterbacks getting drafted maybe a little bit higher than uh, they've been drafted in the past simply because, like you talked about, the Brock Purdy effect. I think that's a, I, I think that's a fair statement. The Eagles. Are, are we looking at a team that right now is just in a groove when it comes to oh team God. building? So much so that apparently there were some NFL executives that were upset with the amount of attention that Howie Roseman was getting on the NFL network for all the praise that Howie Roseman was getting. Oh, he's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Well, when you have, okay. So when you, uh, when you did the, 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 the khaki bands quarterback in the second round and he pans out in Jalen hurts, right? And for a week or so, he's the highest-paid quarterback in the National Football League until, you know, Lamar comes along and trumps it. But when that pick pans out for you and you've been busy addressing your roster, and let's face it, they've done a phenomenal job of building the most ferocious offensive line in football, and what do they do? They continue to invest in it. Like last year, they drafted Cam Jurgens in the second round as a potential Jason Kelsey replacement. Jason's playing great. They re-signed Kelsey, and now Cam's going to move into you know to guard. And let me just tell you, in the preseason last year, I was like, damn, that kid can play. And so it's a position of strength, but they're like, we know we we have to continue to draft and develop. Then you look at their Georgia pipeline. Right. Last year, it's Jordan Davis and um, Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean, mm-hmm. the linebacker position, got, got front seven. Invest in the inside out, front seven. And this year again, it's it's Jalen Carter and what Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo. Yeah. And then they tried traded for DeAndre Swift. Right. I mean, it just it's a, it's a Georgia fest. And like I, I will say this, I was doing I was doing something. Uh, I've got this thing I'm working on, it's called the Stunt app, app. And it's kind of a combination, if you will, of Twitter and, uh, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all things rolled into just a sports app called Stunt, the Stunt. It's a plug. It's a plug, people. Um, but check it out. But I'm on, I'm doing a, a live draft show on the Stunt app with Michael Irvin with Moose Johnson and myself. And, and you know, and there's a bunch of people listening, and we're having a great time. And Moose said it because none of us, you know, none of us are doing it live on TV. Moose calls games for Fox, and, and I call games for Fox, and then, you know, Michael does a bunch of NFL Network, but he wasn't working the draft. And so none of us have really studied the draft that in-depthly. But um, Moose Johnson goes, how about Jalen Carter? He goes, they put five or six highlights up, that are five or six, like I've never seen a better highlight package. Like that, like he is absolutely destroying people. So he showed up and he was a little fat. I'm a little fat. Like that dude showed up and was just opening a can of whoop ass on dudes. 
I mean, it was one of the most impressive highlight packages you have ever seen. And to think that they invested, you know, they have Fletcher Cox, they have Hassan Reddick, they have, you know, some they have some players there. Obviously, uh, Javon Hargrave went to uh, went to the San Francisco, but now Jordan Davis is is going to play. I was calling an Eagles game, and I'm standing there talking to Jeff Stoutland, who is one of the premier offensive line coaches in all of football, and we're just kind of chopping it up. And Jordan Davis walked by us. Dude, it is like one of those things you just kind of look <laughs> up, and I'm thinking, I played this game? Like, I played in the National Football League? The dude is like six foot seven, like 360, and... Like if you threw a cat on him, it just slide off. Like it couldn't. It doesn't have anything to. It doesn't have anything to grab into. Ah, like I'm like, there ain't nothing to grab into, right, man. Right. He's just solid. Right. I mean, wow, my goodness gracious. And yeah, they have done. They have done a phenomenal job of retooling, but investing in what wins, and that is dominating line of scrimmage. But when you build a good structure like that, and you have good veterans, mm-hmm. you can look at a guy like Carter. That maybe some other teams would be scared off from, and you look at it and say, "Hey, we have the kind of support system, veteran players, Georgia players, yeah. that we can bring this guy in and bring him along the right way." Right. And not every team has that luxury. Philly does right now, and and that's why they they got to be the favorite, right, going in this year? Oh, especially in the NFC. Come on. I mean, look at oh, that. Right. I mean, the NFC Let is. Let the AFC beat each other to a pulp, and then right. the Eagles just sit there and wait for the survivor. If you, give me, a, just off the top of your head, a hierarchy of uh, of a, or NFC quarterbacks right now. you got to put Dak in there. Yeah. you got to put Jalen Hurts in there. I mean, who else? Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr with the Saints. Yeah, seriously, like Geno Smith. <laughs> I, I, See if Stafford comes Daniel back. Jones. If Stafford comes back and is healthy, yeah, right, and is right. Her cousins, Stafford's in there. Jared Goff. I mean, come on, it's not exactly a murderer's row. It, like every one of those guys has the yeah, but caveat after sure. his name. Then you look at the AFC. Then you look at the AFC, and you got you know the, everybody the the all Yarbles team. Started with Burrow and Mahomes and yeah, Herbert and Allen. Not, yeah, Allen. Some guy named Rogers is over there right. now. Unbelievable. By the way, yeah. texted your buddy Robert Sala. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I this morning I did just that because you know we we're we're in studio. We're sitting there watching, um, or we're we're talking, but on the TV, you know, we got the the ESPN up, and man, it is, you know, it is Jet Center. Not Sports Center, but Jet Center, right? And they're showing the clip of Aaron Rodgers. Everybody's seen it throwing in, in minicamp and or throwing in whatever the OTAs or whatever they're doing right now. And uh, so I texted my boy Robert Sala, who I just I have so much respect for him. He's such a good man. He's such a really good football coach, and so I got a ton of respect for him. And I I told him, uh, you know, it's exciting, but I told him, hey, I'm gonna. Tell you what my coach always told me when I was playing. I'm with you winter tie. Lose and we're going to have some effing issues, right? We're, we got issues. <laughs> you know, he always kind of laughs about that stuff. And he's like, man, it's it's pretty cool. But, you know, it's pretty cool. But we got to now, – now we got to get it done. So I'm just – I'm excited about uh, – I'm excited for Rodgers to to do that, you know, to, to start that kind of journey. Um, I'm excited for the Jets and Robert Sala. As much grief as I give Jets fans, and I do all the time, 
Um, I am like I'm excited for them. I think it's a really cool thing. The consensus reaction that I've seen since the trade went down is that absolutely the Jets should be considered a playoff team, mm-hmm. but that the road to the AFC East still goes through Buffalo. You agree with that? Um, yeah, I mean I think they're you know they're the defending AFC East champs, and but if you had to predict, right, who wins the AFC East? I, at this point in time, I would still take the okay. I'd still take the Bills. You but, got it right, right. But I think it's I think it's you know I mean I think it's tighter than mouse nuts. Like, I don't think there's a whole lot of room. You know, when you put those two nuts together, those things are just. I mean, they're pressed right up against each other. I would think. Chafe. I've never really, never really examined mouse nuts, but I gotta believe they're super close. Super close. I mean, they're just right, right there. Yeah, right there, right there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think that battle is is neck and neck. Although the Bills now have Dalton Kincaid. Dude, okay. You want to talk about now? I'm not a draft aficionado. Okay. Not draft guru. I'm not a guru. <laughs> right, I haven't I haven't done a deep dive, but there's two undeniable. There's a winner and there's a loser of the first round of the NFL. Folks, Mark grades the NFL draft unlike anybody else, mm-hmm. which should surprise nobody. But go ahead. All right, so you brought it up. I'm just going to go with it. Dalton Kincaid, you just won the draft. I know he's some tight end from Utah, whoop-de-doo, Basil. And I know that, you know, they had issues in the red zone, and he's a guy that now all of a sudden with Knox, you can come out in two tight formations, maybe a back, and people are like, ooh, what are we going to do? Are we going to play him in nickel, or we're going to get heavy and bring in extra linebackers, and bam, now you get a dictate. If they play nickel, you run the ball. If they play heavy, you spread them out, and you get matchups you like down the seams with your two tight ends, and it's going to be all hunky-dory. But the bottom line is Dalton. Any guy named Dalton takes me back to Roadhouse. And how Patrick Swayze beat me out. You've seen my high school picture. I it was Swayze-esque. Yoked. And how nobody called me to play the role of Dalton in Roadhouse. It's probably a little too young. It's probably Swayze's a few years older than yeah. 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 I was probably a little too young. They were yeah. a little he's still a little raw. Right. I was yeah. like seventeen and he's probably Mid twenties when yeah. he did that. Yeah, what was his name? Dalton? What? Dalton? Uh, oh, um, oh man, now you Dalton. Just... Was Dalton his first name or last name? Oh, boy. now you got me. All right, now well, now you, you but Dalton, but is Dalton Kincaid cooler sounding than Dalton Schultz? Yes, Kincaid, Kincaid is way better. Yeah, way better. Okay, wait a minute, Roadhouse. Bear with me for a second okay. here. Roadhouse, H O U S E. Roadhouse cast. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah, look at that cast. John Sam. Dalton. John Dalton. They're making a new Roadhouse, by the way. Are they? Yeah. And it's, I think his nephew, maybe, is, is going to be taking over the, 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 the Roadhouse, the Dalton name, I believe, the okay. Dalton role. But uh, Dalton Kincaid. Who's going to be, who's going to be the, uh, Who's who's gonna be the actor that plays? I don't know. The right John off, Dalton. I, I don't role. know right off the top of my head, but am I too old for that? <laughs> yeah, you're too old for that. 
Yeah, you're too old for that. You could be. You could. You could play the. Uh, you could play the. You could play the henchman to the villain who has the grizzly bear fall on him. Oh, oh all right, 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 right. I could do that. I could do that. What about the? Uh, what about the? Uh, who was the? Who was the guy? Who was the the with the big voice? Like, oh, Sam Elliott. Yeah, Sam. Oh, yeah. Ed Dalton, you know, I mean, I <laughs> yeah, get that voice. Yeah, that voice yeah, is just me okay. So Dalton Kincaid wins the draft. Yeah, the Buffalo Dalton Bills Dalton win the draft right. far and away yeah. based on name value alone, no other criteria. Dalton Kincaid is the first round winner of the draft. Then I got to go to my former team, the Washington Commanders. Uh huh. The worst name drafted in the first round. Oh, okay. Who is it? Cornerback Emmanuel Forbes. Oh, boy. Emmanuel Forbes? Emmanuel Forbes. Sounds like he should be working at Charles Schwab. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> or there should be a fourth after that. Yeah. Emmanuel Forbes Emmanuel the fourth. Emmanuel yeah. Forbes. I say. Emmanuel Forbes the fourth. Like, <laughs> dude, just sounds like, yeah, he just sounds like he's a financial investment guy. He's like using. He's he's working on everybody's portfolio. Can't play a liquor corner, <laughs> but man, he can put a financial plan together. He's taking a series seven. He's he's ready to roll. Like a manual for worst name by far the worst name draft in the first round. All I right, think. all right. So winner the Buffalo Bills, loser my former team, the Washington Commanders. I think that's, uh, that's the way it goes. Oh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. There you go. I saw him the other day. Going to be the new Dalton. I saw him the other day. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what show he was on, but uh, he's he's yoked. Oh, yeah. He, was, yoked. he was doing some fake MMA. or a yeah. M- It was an MMA. Yeah, yeah. Or was it, for, was, were they shooting the MMA thing for this movie? Yeah, for this like, movie. Yeah, because yeah, no, he was movie. a He's MMA, MMA guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was yes. ripped. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. ripped. He had one of those loose... You know, shirts on. But yeah, I could tell. Well, I think he took it off. I think because he got no, no, the... In the sh- on the TV show he was on. Oh. He didn't take it off. No, well, I mean they but they were filming something during a, a WW or a MMA fight where he got in the ring and they filmed it because I think his character was a former MMA yes, guy. That's correct. And okay. he took his shirt off there. He was, sh- and yeah, he was yoked. Oh yeah. yeah, really. Oh yeah. Not Mark Slareth yoked, but who well, is these days? Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm fyoked. You're what? Fyoked. Fyoked? Yeah, both yoked and fat at the same time. <laughs> Fyoked. Yeah. Uh, last bit here okay. before we uh, get out of here. Lamar Jackson got his contract. I know. How about that? So Congratulations. do you want to admit you were wrong? or you? No, want I said that he would to... always sign with Buffalo. Okay. I mean, excuse me, always sign with Baltimore. I said that. Yeah. Did Not, he get more, but did he get more money than you thought he would get? He didn't get his fully guaranteed contract. He got 185 fully guaranteed. Um yeah, probably got more money than I thought he would get. Um, but I, I knew he was always going to re-sign with Baltimore and everything was going was gonna to work out um, for all the reasons I said, you know, for all the, you know, for all you, for all you Lamar Jackson apologists, right? Oh, it's racial and oh, the league, it's collusion and all. And no, come stop it. You were wrong. I was right. I accept your apology. You don't even have to hit me up. I just accept your apology. Um, so humble. Yes. Yes. So gracious, right? So gracious. So gracious. Humility um, just oozes out of you. Right. What do I always say? I'm a really good loser. I'm a gracious loser, but I'm a dick when it comes to winning. I won. You lost. Get over it. Um, 
good for him. Now we're going to see, because Todd Munkin, you look at Todd Munkin's career in the National Football League, he's the new offensive coordinator, and this is what y'all, like, y'all were like, oh, we got we got to throw the ball, and Lamar has no wide receivers, and this, that, and this. Okay, they've taken care of it, and we're going to see exactly how this thing pans out. I'm excited to see how it is. Like, I'm excited because Lamar is, is unbelievable. He's an unbelievable athlete. He is an unbelievable player. He's an unbelievable leader. He's got all those attributes and more. The question is, is that style of offense sustainable? And can he morph into more of like we talked about to start this podcast into more of a drop back guy, um, you know, as, as part of his repertoire? Well, now you've got the wide receivers things and you went out and got a new offensive coordinator. Go back through Todd Munkin's career, especially when he was with Tampa. I mean, you like I think the the Ravens threw it four hundred plus times last year. Like Todd is consistently in the six hundreds yep. when he was ten, now. That was part Bruce Arians, and they just they didn't like to run the ball. They just wanted to throw it all over the right. park. No risk it, no biscuit. Right, but you're going to see it's going to be interesting to watch this transformation or this, uh, you know, this morphing of the offense into a little hybrid of what it used to be versus what they want it to be. Um, and it'll be interesting to see exactly how Lamar plays this year. So I'm excited. I'm excited because we're going to get to witness it. And then, you know what? I might be on this podcast. I doubt it. But I might be on this podcast very, very unlikely. I might be on this podcast. Probably not going to happen. I might be on this podcast. I doubt it again. But uh, I might be on this podcast apologizing to you. <laughs> come on. Oh. What are the odds of that? Wow, happening? do I pray for that day? Yeah, there you go. Please speak it into existence. <laughs> all right, for everybody involved in the Sinking Truth Podcast, we truly appreciate it. For Sean, who uh, puts it all together, for Mike, I am Mark. We'll talk to you guys later on in the week.